This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. Amandine, welcome back. Random commentary and misguided wisdom is kindled. Yes, it's Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast that also dabbles in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of Wubba-dub-dub Tolkien. Sorry, the season premiere of uh, season three, Rick and Morty, is coming out this evening, and uh, I've caught the fever. This is episode number 69, and I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, defender of the Hidden Dawn and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ in the Lotro Store. It's a strange and mysterious place that sometimes exists and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes it depends on whether you're on something called a Mac or not. What is my character doing in the Lotro store? Well, it's not exactly the Lotro store. Rather, it's the account page for the expansion where live on the air, we will be selecting the package for Mordor. Yes, been putting a lot of thought into this over the last few weeks, waiting proverbially until the last minute. And I am ready to select my choice. Here we go. Click, click, click. And uh, through the magic of podcast editing, I have filled in all my address and billing information. Let me go over my billing information with you live and on the air. Uh, Grima, edit this out, please. Good job, Grima. And uh, we have an unlock code. We have an unlock code, which apparently you then redeem in the Lotro store. This is a new procedure. I don't remember in previous expansions having to enter the redemption code in the Lotro store. I think that's one of the improvements that they made most recently. And I've applied the code redemption successful. You've successfully redeemed a cord for premium access Mordor standard edition. Yes, indeed. It is now applied and I will be enjoying the fruits of that. Uh, not perhaps as quickly as I would have enjoyed, but I will talk a little bit later about why I made the choice that I did. Um, yeah, so I wanted to record this episode before Mortar came out based on the content. And I rushed to put something together. And then, just this afternoon, the announcement. We are as excited as many of you to get into Mordor, but we have some unfortunate news. We have to adjust the release date. While preparing over the weekend to release the expansion on Monday, we discovered an issue in the build that impacted the ability of monsters and NPCs to move around correctly. Something that I would guess would be fairly important. Uh, this problem was specifically identified in older content. While correcting the issue is not a problem, the process to correct it takes too long to be able to release Mordor on Monday. So we have to adjust the release date. We'll have more info on the release date soon. We will know a lot more in the next 24 hours or so, and we'll pass along the info as soon as we can. Signed, Severlin. So, 
As you can imagine, in-game chat has been uh, quite um, a buzz all day based on this latest announcement. Uh, there are some people that think uh, the delay is typical, <laughs> so to speak, and uh, you know, uh, a further criticism of SSG could be applied based on you know their release control process and some of the endangerment thereof. And there are some people that are grateful that the delay is coming, thinking that it will give SSG time to uh, put a few more bug fixes in, make the release just a bit more solid. Uh, we'll see if this is a delay of a day or two. Uh, I would imagine they would wait at least a week. Uh, so going in over next weekend rather than taking the games down for a full day during the week. So that's my guess is that we're going to be looking at uh, an August, August 8th perhaps premiere of the game, uh, which will be, you know, not so bad. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm sure whether the game's released or not, they'll be they'll be uh, gathering higher priority bugs and, and blending them in. A week might not be the worst thing in the world, and a lot of people seem to share that opinion. Um, or they could try to do it as quickly as possible. Maybe it just takes another day or two of folks in the office to correct. Uh, the interesting part about this to me is, you know, it seems fairly frequently in the beta builds you see new content break old stuff, as he mentioned in this note. And I get it that the systems are shared, um, but I would think the kind of content that they'd be creating, new landscapes, new quests, um, you know, there aren't too many new mechanics. Like adding an allegiance system shouldn't break the movement speed or pathing of uh, NPCs in older content. And this seems to happen fairly commonly. It's like they're adding a new region to the game and all of a sudden, you know, fumaroles don't spawn in the Rift of Nurs Gashu during the skirmish. Or, uh, you know, the loot box system is broken in, you know, a Numenos. And uh, it, it just... It seems very odd to me that the game the game is that fragile that adding new landscape content can break things in older content in in areas that probably aren't being touched that heavily. Uh, you know the pathing of the NPC. Well, how does that artificial intelligence change because of the addition of Mordor? Who knows? Maybe they had to add some new pathing logic to be able to handle the landscapes of Mordor, or they release some improvements even during the course of the expansion. Um, you know, just thought it would come out with the expansion. You know, I haven't seen anything listed, you know, from a content standpoint that would seem to indicate that. So it's just interesting, I think, uh, when they have these kinds of problems. It seems to be fairly common. It seems just about every release they come out with, major release, goes back and breaks some older stuff. You know, even maybe even Monsters in the Moors or, you know, there's unexpected consequences. Uh, you know, which leads me to believe maybe the the code isn't as compartmentalized as you would like it to be for an enterprise system of this scope and scale. Now, I do have a little bit of computer science background, and it doesn't always make sense to me the kinds of stuff that sometimes gets broken um, if they have good code control in place, which hopefully they should. So be that as it may, uh, I'm now the proud owner of the standard edition of Mordor. I'll talk a little bit more about that selection later in the podcast, but right now I think we better move on to our next beacon. Don't hit the microphone. Grandma, edit that out, will you please? Jesus, this guy never listens. Uh, we're at the second beacon of Illinok. Reviewing our agenda, as usual, we'll deal with a lot of CRAP, crutch retractions, and apologies from last week. So, last time out, geez, it's been 
longer than I'd like to uh, admit um, since the last episode. But uh, again, summer months, summer PTO schedules, summer vacation, summer weekends away. It's been a good time. Uh, July has been a great month, a lot of fun, but uh, not good for podcasting. So last time out, several weeks ago, let's call it several, it's more than that. We offended crafting alts, little mermaids, mortar music lovers, merry-go-round operators, carnies in general, and probably some elves. And to all those that were offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. And, oh, now we have high elves in the game. So to the high elves out there, we are highly sorry. And uh, let's move on to viewer comments. Agree to disagree. Let's check the leaderboard real quick. We have a new high score. The last review of the podcast was left by Mick Blarney. Um, I know the name's Mick Blarney, but I think I'm just going to call him MC Blarney for now on. So MC Blarney, on June 6th of 2017, he or she currently has our high score. Uh, Five-star review where he says, love all the detailed info. Some links, show notes on your webpage to some of this would be nice. What a great idea. Actual useful information to be incorporated into the into the uh, podcast release notes. Never thought of that, of course, because um, it entails additional work. But I do think I can try to do some of this going forward. So starting with this episode of Light the Beacons, you may see a link to one or two of the things I talk about over the course of the podcast in my show notes on my website at lightthebeacons.com. And, uh, you know, I think the other reason to do this is to drive more traffic to my website. If you're just getting this off of some podcasting interface from iTunes, now you have a reason to go there. Uh, as always, if you want to join this illustrious vacuum of reviewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. Thank you very much, MC Blarney, for your iTunes review. Viewer feedback. We got a post from Braggenthorn, my uh, dubious uh, nomenclature uh, doppelganger. Dude, avoid e-harmony stance at all costs. Laugh out loud. Hope you're well, Bragg. It's been nice since no one is copying what you do, and the skits are great. Sound is good. I've been getting more 105 tunes to the Black Gate. Cannot believe it's been over 10 years now. Still a fa uh, fan, Bragg with one A. Uh, thanks very much, Braggenthorn. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm doing the same. More tunes to the Black Gate. More coons getting better geared at Cap. It, uh, you know, the waste doesn't seem like a huge content update, but when you have six or seven characters at Cap that uh, need to get through Lang Ruven <laughs> um, or whatever other your objective is, maybe getting to celebrated status uh, with the host of the West, it is uh, quite a grind. So there is plenty to do. Uh, what's been going out on the Twitter sphere? Nothing special of note that I can think of. Um, I did want in a community spotlight mention two articles that came out uh, this past week to my attention. A uh, post by Braxwolf on the development of the Star Citizen MMO. And uh, Braxwolf bought, uh, bought a subscription or bought the game several years ago and has just been checking in periodically. It had been, I think he said it had been half, half a year or nine months since he'd last checked into the game. So he logged in. And there were some additional systems that had come online, some additional user interfaces that were available. And uh, he kind of recounted some of his experiences trying to do some basic navigation and, uh, you know, basically trying to complete a quest. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of still a lot of research that needs to go into it because um, sounds like they need some better tutorials for some of the basics around uh, the user interface, navigation, and manipulation. Uh, but... 
the graphics did sound cool, and some of the things he mentioned did sound neat. I don't get how Star Citizen, I guess there were so many people that pre-bought it that it's just keeping the game floating through these years and years of development it's taking to get to where they want to be. I don't know. Maybe this is the one of the futures of MMOs is if you want the quintessential MMO for a specific genre, you've got to live through a multi-year development time frame to get all the different systems in to make it something sustainable that uh, you know everybody wants to play. And uh, pre-purchase is the only way to do that. So a lot of people bet on Star Citizen. Um, you know, yet to see. You know, there have been plenty of games out there that looked neat and sounded great, and then just didn't have the gameplay to sustain the numbers once they went live. So maybe having a five-year soft beta is the way to go with Star Citizen. But it did sound interesting, and uh, you know, it's a uh, definitely a needle mover in the industry. So I like to keep an eye on it. Thanks for the update from Braxwolf. Uh, the other community spotlight I wanted to point out is I've been seeing a lot of posts recently from someone named the Bearded Minstrel and I think it's beardedminstrel.com uh, they've been doing a post today towards the release of Mordor I read one last week discussing the early days of raiding and uh, obviously they've been a longtime player have a few interesting comments and some nostalgia in there for those of you who've been playing the game for a while so uh, go check out the Bearded Minstrel's webpage for uh, some good blog content around Lotro Forums Insider, um, let me see, let's uh, go out and check the forums real quick and see how things have been of late. What's that you guys are saying in the forums? Okay, so uh, perhaps the, uh, the mob uh, wielding the pitchforks and torches could take a seat and relax for a little bit, uh, obviously. There's been quite a discussion around the release of the Mordor pricing in different packages, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. I mean, everyone else has, so why not me, right? Uh, but let's not go there. Let's not go out to the, uh, you know, the, the mob that's collecting in the forums. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this episode instead. Uh, as always, we'll talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks. We'll premiere the next rendition of our top 10 list, where we'll be talking, of course, about what we're looking forward to in Mordor, and perhaps uh, some things we're perhaps some things we're not looking forward to very quite so much. Uh, we'll then have a word to two or two to say about the Mordor purchase package kerfuffle. Love that, love that uh, word. So I'm going to use it again. It is a kerfuffle. And lastly, as always, if we have any time remaining. We will provide the precise technical details and settings that will allow Turbine to deliver mortar on time tomorrow morning. Let's hope they're listening in. But if we want to have time for that, we'd better get moving. So let's move on to the third beacon of Nardal. Nardal is aflame. This is going to be an interesting episode. Lots to talk about. So let's crack another ale. That's uh, the sound of an ale being poured out of an old timey. Uh, jug, as far as you know. <sighs> better. Much better. Nardal, what we've been doing uh, this week in gaming and or other Tolkien news. So what have we been doing this week in other games? Uh, Pokemon Go, not talking about it anymore. DDO, no, have not played. Don't know what to do next in that game and haven't been researching it. Secret World Legends, I think I mentioned I was invited to the beta for the new Legends version of Secret World, and I'll 
try to keep an eye on that going forward. That is a game I'm still interested in playing at some point in time. It's kind of my backup girlfriend in case Lotro goes, you know, on the down low. Um, Marvel Heroes, no. Clash of Clans. I know not everyone wants to hear about Clash of Clans, but I have a special announcement I want to make this week. Uh, I noticed my trophy count from the week past. I've been kind of moving up and down the scale between Masters 1, Masters 2, and Masters 3 levels. Excuse me. And uh, over the past couple months, or even, you know, almost a year, I guess, and uh, I noticed a number of people had attacked me and failed over the course of a day or two, and my trophy count was somewhat inflated. As a matter of fact, I was very near what is considered to be champion level, which is, uh, I think, the highest level in the game you can achieve behind, behind you know, whatever, the, the pros that basically face off one-on-one. Uh, -on -one is champions one, two, and three. And the big deal about that is if you achieve champions level, um, there is an achievement which gives you 2,000 gems, which I think is the biggest gem allotment you can get of any achievement in the game. And uh, it's quite a, quite a good number, and quite a few things can be done with it in terms of improving your base with 2,000 gems. It's a nice little, uh, nice little feather in the cap if you're able to achieve it. So I was very patient and I was very careful, made sure no failing attacks over the course of a week as I bit and clawed my way up and, uh, you know, fighting people that definitely have better uh, bases than I do and uh, just making smart choices about people that had already been attacked or had a number of things uh, being, you know, built or developed or, uh, you know, perhaps had a bad placement of a clan castle. And anyway, I got to champions level in Clash of Clans, so I was pretty happy of that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I have another goal in that game. <laughs> I guess the next base upgrade, right? There's always another base upgrade. That's the way that game works. So, uh, Clash of Clans, champion level. Thank you very much. Um, Star Trek Online, no. Uh, Overwatch, uh, I did notice that they added a new character to the game of Overwatch, the Doomfist. Um, I have not played him yet. Uh, some of the baby dwarves in the house tell me that uh, he looks really cool and fun. So I'll be looking to try that out hopefully in the next week. Bioshock has been shelved. Shadow of Mordor, I did manage to kill another general in that game. So that's two down and two to go to continue the story mode and uh, get into some other additional areas. Um, although this past week, it's been mostly Lotro. From a movie standpoint, I saw Dunkirk this past week. If you're a uh, World War II movie buff, this one is interesting and differently done than many others that I've seen. Um, it left me a little bit unsatisfied the way it treated the material, but it was well filmed and interesting. And uh, one thing most war films aren't, which is pretty tidy. I think about an hour and 45 minutes of content. Uh, so not overblown, which is pretty rare in that genre. Um, all in all, not bad and not that gory either. Um, so maybe safer for, uh, you know, safer than a movie like Hacksaw Ridge, where you're going to see lots of uh, limbs being blown off and carnage and intestines and things like that. Um, the other movie I saw this week that I did want to mention real quickly was Baby Driver, which I went out to last night. And uh, this is a movie I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, you guys, uh, you know, it's been making the rounds of social media for a while now. But uh, the thing to admire about it is the way the main character lives his life to a soundtrack, basically. And uh, whenever the soundtrack is on, all the action that's happening around him is tuned to the soundtrack in a way that is uh, synchronous with uh, what's going on in his earbuds. 
So the people's movements, the movements of cars, windshield wipers, uh, patrons spinning around, uh, drum players on the street, skateboarders going by, everything is to the tune. And uh, it's very clever the way the doors open, the way the windows click, uh, the way the door locks move as he you know, puts a shift into drive, the gunfire that happens during the fight scenes. Everything is tuned specifically to the songs of the sound, uh, soundtrack. It is an excellent soundtrack. I've already bought it. Um, and uh, I, if this movie doesn't win an Oscar for sound editing, I don't know what's going to. It's uh, done in a very entertaining way and kind of a, a fun little story with some nice performances by John Hamm, um, Bernthal, I forget his first name right now, but from The Walking Dead, Shane and uh, Kevin Spacey, of course. So, well done. I uh, do recommend Baby Driver. Uh, a little too much language for the young baby dwarves, but aside from that, um, really fun. And uh, some great car chase scenes, which I'm a fan of. Enough movie reviews. Let's talk about books real quickly. I don't always talk about books that commonly, but um, right now I'm working on a, a series that was recommended in Twitter by uh, Sipster over at uh, Massively Online. Um, called Sendin Ascends. It's a book of the Towers of Babel series. I'm about halfway through that. So far, I, I like it well enough. Uh, I'm not sure yet if it's going to be tops on my list, but it's been enjoyable. And uh, last week, I went out and saw an article posted on a website called Unbound Worlds, which uh, runs down kind of fantasy and sci-fi um, topics of interest or books that are out or recent. And there was an article there called The Best Fantasy Series of the 80s. Uh, so I opened that up to take a look. And there were a number. I'll include I'll include the link in the show notes for you guys. I don't like the beacons.com. How about that? Uh, if I remember. Um, Grima, get that link, will you? And uh, the couple of series that were mentioned, uh, The Bilgariad by David Eddings, which I had read. Um, the Sword of Shannara, The Elstones of Shannara, and The Wish, Sang Wish Song of Shannara by Terry Brooks, which were very influential for me. A uh, book by Raymond Feist, um, who did the what's the Rift War Saga, uh, called Daughter of the Empire, which I did read and also agreed was very interesting and cool. And The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub. I don't always lump that into a fantasy book setting, but it was a good read, especially if you like King. And uh, interesting and different since he uh, collaborated on it with Peter Straub, who's got a bit of a Lovecraftian horror influence as well. Uh, so all good books, all recommended. Um, but as I scanned down the list and saw that I had covered most of these, there were two books that I saw listed that I had not read. And uh, given all the other books on the list, it seemed like if uh, the author liked all those books and felt them influential and I'd enjoyed them, that I might want the two that were mentioned as well. So this week I purchased The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers and The Dragon Bone Chair by Tad Williams, two books from the 80s that I apparently missed and uh, that this, this uh, list author feels were very creative and effective for the time. Um, and recommends very highly given the, the little snips that are in there. So uh, as I get to those, I'll, I'll give you my opinions and let you know. If uh, anyone out there has read either of those two books and agrees with the recommendations, please let me know. Uh, I'd like to uh, share that with you if that's something that you've enjoyed. All right, that's enough about all this other crap. What's going on in Lotro this week? Well, Bragg's been taking a bit of a break. He doesn't have much to do before Mordor right now, and besides, uh, you know, going out and looking good at festivals and stuff. Uh, my menstrual has also been fairly stagnant. Been working a little bit on my cappy with a few box runs. Um, 
And what I've started to do as well is take a look at, uh, in preparations for Mortar, I've been looking at the virtues from my tunes. Uh, Bragg and Brezel were both very well uh, decked out with all virtues at 20 or above, um, some much higher. But my Cappy had uh, one that was level 19, which was uh, Compassion. So we went out and ran a bunch of quests in Farinorian, including all the stuff around Ostrimon and the quarry out there and uh, Halifurian. It was good to be out in the beacons again with my people. And uh, even the quests around the Endwash that are out there. And uh, finished enough of those to get um, my level 20th level of compassion for my virtues. And so those are good on my cappy now. And uh, the box runs this past week were the Wraith of Earth in Fornost. And, you know, it's hard to remember sometimes which tunes have done it, which haven't. But uh, when my captain ran it, he got um, deeds for trolls in the North in the North Downs, which was nice, as well as uh, rep, uh, rep for the mobs in those uh, instances. So, so he's one of the tunes I have that did not have kindred rep in the North Downs. So nice to be able to chip away at that stuff at the same time as you're doing box runs. My lore master is now battle-readied, so has... Uh, Kindred or celebrated status with Host of the West and uh, Kindred with all the uh, Host of the West uh, provisioners, weaponists, and armorists. And uh, got the neat little cloak that comes with that. And he, he finally finished all the quests required to allow resource runs. Um, I was actually, uh, I thought I had finished and could run Squaronk and Towers of Teeth with my lore master. So I joined a group and um, bought, um, bartered some lock picks from the vendor in the camp of the host and then figured out that I hadn't opened up that run with my LM. So became a mission not to waste the lock picks. They're useless because they're bound once you barter for them. So I had to get my lore master cleared on the resource instances so he could run and use those lock picks, which I finally did this past week. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the dangers of altaholism, right? Uh, my Berg uh, also has been running Wraith of Earth and uh, had not finished that before, apparently, because as he completed it to unlock the Wraith of Fire instance for Fornos, which is always nice. Um, he's also completed most of the Langruven quests and just needs the kind of penultimate quests underneath Squaronk and Towers of Teeth in order to open up resource instances as well. If I can find a group to do those at some point. That's the one where you got to get the War Trolls and the Bruisers and the Overseers and the Black Numenorean Sorcerers, of course, um, which is difficult to do without a group. Um, so my Berg was trading with the, I think it was the Weaponists, Host of the West Weaponists, because uh, he'd gotten kindred in those groups and was looking for the gold pocket item and uh, which requires the three stitch, the three sigils and a bunch of other items. And I pulled the ultimate oopsie. I actually bartered for the gold item and realized I had gotten the one for might instead of agility for my burglar. <laughs> so uh, 80 of the minor rep items and 20 of the upper major rep items and three sigils or whatever there was for that all gone. Uh, actually, I don't think that this one took sigils, but still it was a big waste. It was a you know, probably a solid uh, three or four days of crafting for all my craft, uh, you know, all my crafters to get that much uh, stuff, and he picked the wrong one. So it happens to the best of us. Um, but I did go back after a couple more days and get the stuff I needed to get that pocket item from my burglar. 
He is working on Host of the West Reputation. He is in the final tier, and he is almost there. Probably another couple days of running um, Roving Threats and or Repeatables, and he'll be there. Uh, also been working on my Berg Virtues. He needed Zeal and Innocence uh, to get up to level 20 for Mordor. So I uh, had him explore the Cairns in the Entwash. You may remember that quest where you have to find the seven Cairns that lay out the ancient safe path through the Entwash. Uh, it's good to do that on a Berg where you can sneak through. There are tons of Mordor mobs combing through those uh, those grass reeds in there. So nice to do that on a Berg to be able to sneak through and not have to fight everything. Um, and the other one I, I figured out he only needed two bosses in the Leaders of Anuminas deed, uh, which are all getting all the bosses in the um, Anuminas instances. So I ran a level 40 Hod Valandil uh, where he was able to solo the bosses in that instance and uh, get that, that, those were the two in that instance were the only two he needed to get that last virtue slot up to 20. My um, hunter has been crafting. She needs three or four virtues to get to level 20. I think I just got one. She was, I couldn't believe it. She hadn't visited all the beacons in Far Orient. She'd only gotten five out of seven. So two quick beacon trips and when another virtue is up to level 20. Uh, but she's still got two or three that I need to grind um, to get her up to full virtue level. My Bjorning's virtues are helpless. They're all in the 15s to 17. So a lot more work there to be done. I'll get back to that at some point. But more than likely not until we're deep into Mordor. Uh, Bjorning has been uh, sitting at the tasks task board in the warsteading of the Rahirim, trading in all the elven broken swords and shattered spears. Uh, he reached ally level last week, and hopefully he'll get to kindred there soon. Um, just a collection point uh, that I can turn into Lotro points, since you can't can't barter either of those two items uh, for Camp of the Host reps, unfortunately. And still, there are a lot of them that drop in the uh, in the areas that my tunes. Uh, go to now so at least I have somewhere to funnel them my champion is still level 62 and just finished the drowned treasury in Moria uh, she is about ready for a spoiler alert Bori to be captured by Mazog and I believe the skirm unlocks come shortly thereafter and that'll be nice and my RK sitting in the crafting hall is the alt who has everything you guys may know uh, my warden, level 36, has been idle. Want to make sure I forget everything I learned about gambits before I move forward with him. And in other Tokian news, I uh, did want to mention I saw out on the web interwebs last week that Shelob had been revealed for the Shadow of Mordor sequel, Shadow of War. And uh, I'm not sure how lore bending this might get. Um, but apparently we fight Sauron and the Nazgul. This is supposed to be taking place um, before the events of, uh, of the Lord of the Rings and uh, the destruction of the ring. Oop, another spoiler alert. In, uh, in the current, you know, in those books, you know, this, this sequence of events happens prior to that, but I'm still not sure how you fight the Nazgul and Sauron without uh, breaking lore pretty heavily, so we'll see what they do with that. Uh, but Shelob is a big draw for that game, obviously. And um, we'll be seeing lots of Shelob, I have a feeling, in the next year over multiple games. And that'll be one of the last big reveals of one of the great, um, one of the great villains in Tokian's writing. So looking forward to that. That is uh, quite enough for Nardal. Nardal is long enough. We are going to move on to another beacon. Aralas.
Okay, we're back after a quick draft of ale. Aralas, we are going to premiere another rendition of our long-standing tradition for top 10 list segments in the game. This week, uh, I am going to be looking to the Black Book of Mortar expansion and talk about the top 10 things I'm looking forward to in the expansion. Most of these are actually serious, believe it or not. Okay, number 10, let's get this one out of the way. Simply walking into Mordor. Everyone's going to be doing it, right? There's going to be like a little parade in front of the Black Gates, and people are going to be asking, how do I switch back and forth between running again? And there's going to be all these people just kind of pouring in. I'm picturing kind of like a baton death march uh, directly into Mordor. Um, so, excuse me. I will be simply walking to Mordor just like everybody else. Number nine. Actually helping dwarves in the allegiance system because dwarves are awesome and they're one of the four uh, one of the four categories of allegiance system reps that you can grind. So dwarves will be coming first for brag, of course, which means apparently I will be um, if the pictures online are any indication, I will be visiting uh, some giant great halls within the uh, within the caverns of Erebor, which would be pretty cool. Must be some kind of port involved there, I would imagine. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to architect that. That will be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, number eight, having actual landscape danger for a guardian, because there aren't many areas that I can get into uh, that have trouble for me right now, uh, given the number of mobs I can handle as a guard on the landscape. So let's press that whole off-the-path shadow thing a bit and see how far we can go uh, in the landscapes of Mordor to get ourselves in trouble. Uh, number seven, exploring the foundations of Baradur post-collapse. Please let this be a thing. So Baradur is going to be destroyed. It's going to be lying in ruins. Spoiler alert. Can I stop saying spoiler alert for stuff I know none of you are spoiled for, please? Okay. Uh, but investigating the ruins of Baradur and the caverns underneath it is something I very much would like to see. I think there's even potential for some session plays there. Um, maybe talking about uh, uh, you know the torture table where Gollum was captured and imprisoned, and we can see uh, you know the um, the incidents where Gollum was captured by Sauron and tortured into revealing uh, the location of the Ring in the Shire. Uh, that would be kind of a neat one to see. All right, number six, exploring the cracks of doom post-volcanic eruption. Please let that be a thing. Uh, you know, the forges of Orojuin should not have been completely destroyed. We need to be able to find a path through the lava to get up to those caves and get in and see the location where the ring was destroyed. And hopefully there'll be an uh, object on the ground. Well, I'll talk about that a little bit later. That's, a, that's a, another bullet item, so we'll pass that up. But please, please let us explore the cracks of doom post-volcanic eruption. Everyone needs to see this. Number five, Minas Morgul. Uh, will the caves of Kirith Ungol be present? If so, will we glimpse Shalob, even if we don't get to fight her until the raid comes out later this year? Maybe I'll have the Watcher. Remember, they had an epic story where we saw the and fought the Watcher twice before we eventually had to face and finally defeat uh, it in a raid. So perhaps they can do something similar with Shelob. If not, some rather dangerous uh, and portentous spider tunnels would be very exciting to see. Number four, a chicken play session to jump into the cracks of doom for the title Fried Chicken. Okay, I'm calling it right here. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I predicted it 
back when they came out with the Gondor expansion, which allowed you to become Lord of the Wings by jumping off the prow of Minas Tirith. Um, there needs to be a chickenable run to the Cracks of Doom uh, for the title fried chicken. And I just need like a maybe a nine-hour window sometime to get that done. No problem. Number three, session play for the destruction of the ring. Uh, will it be triggered by, uh, will we see it as part of the epic story? Uh, will it be triggered by an object at the Black Gate? Maybe clicking on Gandalf for a session play as they did uh, for the Gollum one at the Camp of the Host. Uh, maybe even an eagle who, uh, you know, went off to rescue uh, Frodo and Sam after the destruction uh, might be able to recount it and therefore you could see it through his eyes. Uh, maybe Frodo's mithril shirt, which Gandalf has, would trigger it. Or more hopefully, will it be triggered from an object inside of Orodrun itself during the course of questing? What if we found Frodo's finger lying on the ground and we clicked on it and we were able to witness the events of uh, the destruction of the ring and the cracks of doom? Wouldn't that be awesome? Frodo's finger. <laughs> It's morbid, I know, but it's canon. Uh, number two, please let this be a thing. An eagle session play, soaring over Mordor to find Sam and Frodo as part of the epic book. How awesome would this be? Look, we don't want eagle mounts. That would be lore-breaking. Well, sort of lore-breaking at least. But it, you could do a flyover of Mordor in a session play without risking any, you know, any ability to... Uh, you know, get off track and explore areas of the game which aren't built out, etc., etc., etc. We're going right down the center of Mordor, right? So even from the vantage point of the eagle, think how amazing it would be able to see all of Mordor laid out behind you as you cruised into the cracks of doom and uh, picked up Frodo and Sam and, and bore them aloft. That would be one of the best session plays I can possibly imagine. Please let this be a thing. And number one, Finally casting Mordith's dumbass into the void where it belongs again. Good riddance. I am ready for a new villain. All right. That's our top 10 list. Uh, I do have a 1A to list, which I thought about after I created this initial one. And that is Chance Thomas's music while experiencing all of the above. All right. Let's turn over now to the flip side and talk about the top 10 things I am not looking forward to in the Black Book of Mortar expansion. Number 10, helping the elves in the Allegiant system in any way. Ugh. Number 9, completing all four factions on my main with some kind of diminishing return structure that makes each one successively more difficult. Number 8, waiting until Christmas to purchase the high elf from the store using LP. Numbers, hint, hint. Number 7, destruction of the Black Gate. I fear it will be done just like they did um, the flooding of Isengard. A sound effect over a still screen and that's it because uh, maybe they'll surprise me but I think it's a little too epic for them to depict so I'm a little worried that they're gonna hide it and you'll just see the aftermath which would be unfortunate but understandable number six community exploits in the first few days of gameplay which seems to be a hallmark of the last few expansions uh, you know some of the uh, Instances that were created for dailies where people would form raid groups and sit there and farm items that weren't supposed to drop or maybe were supposed to drop, but devs didn't think that uh, if people didn't finish the quest objectives, they would sit in that instance for hours at a time and farm them uh, until they would had all they need after the first day and it kind of defeated the purpose of the whole grind that they had created. So hopefully they've thought through some of those effects, uh, but uh, heck, it happened again in Langruven, so uh, who knows. 
Uh, let me see. Number five, umpteen people in World Chat asking, where do I pick up the next epic book again? FYI, it will likely be in the Battle of the Black Gate instance, accessed by the Steed next to Aragorn in the Slag Hills. Number four, three new reputation tiers for Host of the West, including Facebook friends, BFFs, and finally, the Lice tier, Friends with Benefits. Number three, people complaining about how dark, dreary, and depressing Mortar is and asking why it can't be more like the Shire. They've done it for Angmar and they've done it for Moria. You know it's going to happen for Mordor. Number two, not seeing my wife and children for about two to three weeks. Uh, also getting behind on work, sleep, physical exercise, and of course the ramping up of my carpal tunnel syndrome uh, as I lead multiple alts through Mordor. And number one, and this is a somewhat more serious note, the potential permanent loss of a subsection of the community that has only been sticking around to see what is, for all intents and purposes, the end of Tolkien's main storyline, uh, the scouring of the Shire notwithstanding. So to restate that, I do believe that there are a number of people in the game that will come back uh, to finish the epic quest line and see the ring destroyed and witness that in the game. And I do believe that, uh, you know, there are people that are only sticking around for that reason and that will not be interested in the future adventures that SSG will be premiering. Uh, I don't think it's a big subsection of the community, but I do think it will be significant. So um, I'm not looking forward to losing some of those diehard players that have been around this long that might come back only to see the ring destroyed and then perhaps not be seen again. And that is my top 10 list of things I'm not looking forward to in the Mortar expansion. With that, we'll move on to the fifth beacon of Minrimon. Now for the original weekly sponsor segment. Get ready to experience the latest and greatest in Middle-Earth communications technology. The Quick Post? No, there's too many nosy hobbits. Palantirs? Too corrupted. And look, I love beacons as much as the next guy, but they don't work so great in the rain and are prone to human error. If you need a message sent and send fast, you send it using our new Shadow Fax machine. Shadow Fax will tap out your message on the machine with his hoof using Morse code, and voila, it will arrive instantly at its destination anywhere that Gandalf happens to be standing around. Uh, the new Shadow Fax machine. It's the wave of the future. Shadow Fax machine. <laughs> Moving on to Kalanhad. So let's talk a little bit about the elephant in the room. What, a Mumak? No, not a Mumak. Um, calm, easy there, Sam. There's uh, been a number of articles out there, uh, massively. Uh, big thread on Reddit. Uh, Lotro Reporter has had some blog posts on it. Lotro Players came out with a... Um, I'm sorry, Lotro Reporter had a podcast about it, and Lotro Players has had a number of articles over the last week by a gentleman named Arid. And uh, there's been a bit of a flap um, on Lotro players about the Arid articles. Uh, I think uh, the various posts that he came out with talking about how disappointed he was uh, in the packages that were put together by SSG uh, got a lot, of, uh, a lot of commentary, both positive and negative. Normally I would say dialogue is a good thing, but not all the dialogue um, was positive. You know, aside from Arad's articles being maybe a little too frequent lately and maybe needing some editing, 
Um, in general, he's got some, uh, you know, a point of view and some interesting, interesting things to say, whether you agree with him or not. And his point was, you know, I am trying to open a dialogue. This is my opinion. It's an opinion piece. But I'm hoping that other people will respond and, and uh, you know, that I'll find some people that will agree with me in the industry. So, you know, why... Why, why the personal attacks of Arid by some of the folks out on Little Tour Reporter that have uh, added comments? You know, I think um, there's a number of people that uh, don't like to see the negative articles uh, on Lotro or negative articles criticizing SSG. Um, that's not the reason they go to, you know, Lotro players. They go there to enjoy the community, uh, hear about other people that like the game as much as they do and are interested in the different facets and details of it. And not to hear diatribes about the provider and, and how the game is being ruined and it's going, you know, everything's going to heck in a handbasket. And uh, what's the expression? Uh, great sassy molassy, head for the fallout shelters. So there's people that don't want to see that. Um, they don't want to see it in the forums. Uh, they don't want to see it uh, in a, a site like Lotro Players. And then, um, you know, for those people that complain about that, they're... There are those that get attacked that said, oh, you're an SSG, one of the SSG apologists who never wants to criticize the developer and uh, always thinks everyone, everything is rosy and never wants to see the opposite side. So, uh, you know, what we have is polarizing views, right, out on the far right and the far left of the issue when we probably need, you know, the usual um, more uh, significant portion of the folks that are right in the middle but are just maybe a little less vocal about the issue. Um, look, there are people who just want to go there to share their love and interest in the game. They don't want to see no bad news. I get it. But that doesn't represent everyone. There are people that go there that don't mind the dialogue and, and uh, want to express their frustration. And since this is a community center, you know, it's a, it's a lightning rod for this type of commentary. Um, you know, people are welcome to do what they want, free speech and all that, say what they think. You know, maybe the alternative is for Lotro players to look for a balanced view have someone maybe write a counter argument so that you can see both sides of the issue uh, much as a newspaper would do in their uh, in their opinion piece sections most of the time in uh, uh, let's say you know some of the larger papers you'll see uh, both point and counterpoint around an issue so that's something that they consider um, you know that might uh, give a more balanced view and uh, everyone could find something that they'd uh, be interested in you know another opinion that they can share so let's talk about uh, the standard packages and why all the flap that are out there. So as uh, you now know, I did purchase the standard package, which basically contains the Mordor Quest content and um, and the uh, and the area. What's it called? Da, 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 da. The uh, instant leveling that you get for a character. So I'm not interested in the area of the Valor or whatever it's called that, that'll auto level a character. I have enough characters at uh, level cap that have plenty to do. I have too many that are doing the same content at this point. So I kind of enjoy having alts at the lower levels. Uh, so the auto leveling thing is not something I'm really interested in. Uh, the only thing I could think of that I might do is use it on an alt on another server that I don't normally play on. So that if I do have some friends that play on another server, like uh, Crick Hollow or Brandywine, that um, I could potentially go out and play at Endcap on that server because I don't have any alts on any other server besides Landerville that are above level, you know, 10 um, for the most part. So, uh, so that's the only use of that that I could think of. Um, the... 
Collector's Edition, obviously, has uh, the new the new High Elf race. And uh, as well as, you know, basically aside from that, the only other thing that's in there, um, you know, there's some titles and mounts, etc. But it's really about the base package plus the High Elf race, right? And uh, that's the big inducement to get people to go to the Collector's Edition. You know, from a personal standpoint, my perspective is, why buy an elf now when I'll be playing Mordor content for several months? Um, if, I'm, if I know I'm going to want to level my high elf from the lowest, uh, uh, from the, through the starter zones um, and through the lower areas of the game, then what do I have to gain by, by getting that character slot? And, you know, first of all, I have plenty of character slots, so I don't need that. And I'm going to be busy with Mortar content for the foreseeable future, and then the raids when they come out in a month or two's time after that. Um, so from that point of perspective, you know, waiting till later in the year, November, December, to be able to buy the high elf uh, using Lotro points is uh, not that big of a sacrifice for me personally. Uh, I understand there's a lot of people out there that might want to play it from an RP perspective right away. Uh, might 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 want to be the first one on their server to have a high elf captain at uh, at end cap. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I don't see it myself. I'm going to be busy with Mordor. Um, if it was a new class, I'd probably feel differently about it. So here's the big difference. Uh, the package price from 40 to $80 bucks, um, has been similar to what we've seen in the past. Uh, when we had a new class that was uh, introduced, like the Warden, RK, or Bjorning. Uh, but a new, a new race doesn't have nearly the functionality of a new class. Um, it doesn't have the replay value as far as, you know, the differences and nuance. You know, just because it moves a little differently, looks a little bit differently, and has maybe a few different racial traits, uh, makes the gameplay experience only marginally different in my experience than, um, you know, much less than a class would. So, you know, it seems to me that, like they're pricing it like it was a new class introduced to the game, and it's just not. It's not near the replay value, in my opinion. Uh, again, my opinion. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people out there that want a high elf, want it right away, and uh, they're funding some of the some of the people that might want the collector's edition. I'm not one of them. I'm just explaining my logic and rationale. Um, but I will be looking to purchase uh, the high elf with LP down the line. And lastly, the ultimate fan bundle. Um, you know, I think the reason people want the ultimate fan bundle typically is because they want, you know, Lord of the Rings online is a big part of their lives. Uh, they have the disposable cash. They spend a good portion of their entertainment value and dollar on um, on Lord of the Rings online. And it's not that big of a sacrifice for them to spend something that they spend that much time on uh, to get the ultimate fan bundle with a few extra titles, a few extra horses. Storage space slots are nice. Um, I'm lifetime, so the VIP month doesn't matter much to me. Obviously, you can give it away, which is great. Um, the only thing that I have to say that tempted me in the Ultimate Fan Bundle that I think is pretty cool that I would have liked to have had is the uh, the portal that you could put in your house to get to Mordor because it looks cool to have an Eye of Sauron portal in your house and uh, probably pretty convenient at some point to be able to pour it into Mordor using it. Um, so that would have been nice. Uh, but I'm not going to pay, uh, what is it, an extra $100 for that. Um, you know, even with, you know, I, I do think... So some of the arguments out there have said that um, you know the packages don't justify the cost, and I'm in agreement with that. 
if you're in marketing, what you want to do is balance the package with the content and make it compelling for people and give them a reason to buy those upward bundles. There are still going to be plenty of people that will buy Collector's Edition and Ultimate Fan Bundle. Uh, but you know, I don't think I don't think SSG was being evil or greedy by pricing those uh, things higher. It's in alignment with some other prices I've seen in other games. It's just I think they're being a little stupid, to tell you the truth. I think there's a lot of people that would have hopped up to collectors and uh, Ultimate Fan Bundle if they'd been more reasonably priced, or perhaps even if they'd had some Lotro points combined into there um, that you could get. Now, the Ultimate Fan Bundle does come with a month of VIP, which is equal to 500 points that you can use. But overall, there's there's not nearly enough in there to tempt me to go to that higher level. And heck, I'm a whale. I, you know, I've been playing the game for 10 years. Um, I have a podcast, for God's sakes. I have a lot, lot of reasons to want to get the Ultimate Fan Bundle, and it's just not nearly enough to tempt me um, at this point. So I think they miscalculated on this. You know, you'd like to think that they've done analysis and studies and industry research and talk through it with a bunch of people and maybe took the temperature of some longtime players or old council members. Uh, but you just kind of get the feeling it was two or three guys sitting around a room with a dartboard and a PowerPoint presentation going, what if we did this? <laughs> um, I think it's a miscalculation and, uh, you know, they're leaving some revenue on the table. Uh, it could be, uh, as Lotro Reporter speculated, the involvement of Daybreak, since they had another MMO that was priced similarly that came out recently. Sometimes, apparently, publishers do help make pricing decisions around packages. So it could be the involvement of Daybreak pushing this. Uh, unfortunately, we will never know. But I'm in agreement with those who have said, um, you know, vote for your wallet. Vote with your wallet. Unfortunately, if this is the last expansion that Motro Lotro ever sees, um, there will be there won't be the opportunity for SSG to see the error of their ways and price the packages accordingly next time around. But like I said, standard. I'm all in. Looking forward to it very much, and uh, I'll be looking for the high elf pricing down the road. And I'm sure there will be a lot of others as well. It'll be a little hard to watch the high elves running around me, um, but the the Mordor content should more than make up for it and keep me busy. So with that, I think. I have gone on quite long enough. Let us uh, take another draft of ale. Uh, Grime is looking forward to Mordor, aren't you, Grime? Yes, very much. <laughs> uh, I bet you are, you greedy little bastard. All right, so we're at the seventh beacon of Halifurian. Uh In closing, sorry we ran out of time to go over the Mordor quick fix solution, so we're going to have to wait for that expansion uh, another couple days at least, maybe next time. It is time for Blessed Relief. I'm officially putting a little sepia-colored bow on the 69th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalanceemail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for albino. On Facebook or Twitter, bragsonofbalan. My website at lightthebeacons.com, where you can post comments directly on the podcast or see links from the show. I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review. Like MC Blarney, if perchance you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. In your comments, incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy. I will try to include them in the next podcast, or at least respond in some way. I hope you leave, laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective, and most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth awaiting Mordor. 
This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you want to be an ultimate fan, but don't want to pay the ultimate price, don't despair. Light the beacons.